Web 2.0 Innovation Trend Collaboration Software Metadata Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 232 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in Chicago. Well, you're really from Ann Arbor, and I'm Tom Mile from Dallas, but Dennis is right. Today we are live from ABA Tech Show in Chicago. Before we get started with the podcast, we'd like to thank our sponsors. Thanks first to Text Expander for sponsoring our show. Communicate smarter with Text Expander. Gather, perfect, and share your knowledge. Recall your best words instantly and repeatedly. Learn more at textexpander.com forward slash podcast. And we'd also like to thank ServeNow, a nationwide network of trusted, pre-screened process servers. Work with the most professional process servers who have experience with high-volume serves, embrace technology, and understand the litigation process. Visit servenow.com to learn more. In our last episode, we dove into metrics, measures, KPRs, and OKRs. You might want to give it a lesson and measure our success. In this episode, we are live. For the first time ever, we, Tom and I are actually in the same space, physical space, recording the podcast at the 2019 ABA Tech Show. And we can't resist the urge to go all meta on this episode. Why not discuss the future of legal tech conferences while we are actually at a legal tech conference? Tom? What's all on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we will indeed be going all meta, talking about the current state of legal tech conferences and what we see for their future. In our second segment, we will literally predict what we'll be doing for the next few days at ABA Tech Show. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. Uh, but first up, um, we wanted to take a look at legal technology conferences and what their future might look like. Um, in a story that we're breaking literally right now on the Kennedy Mile Report, ABA Tech Show 2019 starts today. There's been a, a lot of discussion lately about legal tech conferences on the web. We've seen a lot of people talk about, uh, talk about them lately, a lot of people um, talking about how they can or should be improved. So we thought, why not talk about it at Tech Show? What better place to talk about this subject? Dennis, other than uh, that you love meta topics, what got you interested in this particular one? I do love meta topics, but I think three things. Um, I don't know whether it's conference season or what, but. Oh, there are a lot of conferences lately. I, I count at least four conferences at the same time as Tech Show that people were asking me if I'm going to be at or know something about. Um, I've also been talking with some people about creating some uh, new conferences, so that's put it on my mind. And I also saw a Twitter thread about the desire for very low-cost legal tech seminars. They expressed the wish for those uh, low-cost seminars, but they didn't really propose any solutions. So. We thought we might talk uh, a little bit about that as well. So I, I think 
lately, it has been very easy to get confused and overwhelmed about the number of conferences that are out there. And there are small ones, there's big ones. Uh, some are doing better than others. Some are brand new and are struggling to gain some traction. I feel, and I'm gonna try to be good about this on the podcast, but I sort of feel like the noise about innovation conferences is so loud these days that it's drowning out other stuff. That if you're not doing innovation, if you're not talking about innovation, if you're going to a conference that isn't all about innovation, then somehow you're missing out and you're not doing it right. And I think that, to me, is part of the, the problem. Uh, this, this, I think, kind of is an extension of our podcast that we did a little while ago when we tried to define legal technology. The definition is now so broad, I think, by extension, the types of conferences that we see these days are likewise getting broader, which means more conferences, more confusion, more things to talk about. Yeah, and I, I know, uh, Tom, I'm not sure how much you're going to reveal about uh, your look into the future of ABA Tech Show, but it's all part and parcel of, of that as, as well. And I think there, there is innovation. So you, you do have these sort of trends. So there was the e-discovery trend, obviously, a few years ago where everything was e-discovery. I think that you kind of touched on something I, I think is interesting, Tom, that legal tech has become a standard. Not that it's been commoditized, not that it's like electricity, and it's like the air we breathe, but it's sort of um, there and it's a part of what we do and it's hard to differentiate maybe exactly what it is legal tech. It's also so broad, it's hard to say, I want to focus on a certain area like we might have done with say, when you were in the iPad era. Uh, where people were just wanted to hear you talk about iPads. So I think that, in a way, innovation is, is hot, uh, but we also see uh, really significant structural changes, I think, happening in the legal market, delivery of legal services as well. And so that whether innovation is the right word, and I really do think it is, I think it reflects something that's actually happening and where there is a strong interest as people feel sort of like, the traditional parts of the practice are breaking down. You have new uh, legal service delivery options, other things like that. So that's important. And then also think that people now, I think, have finally understand, are starting to understand that technology is one piece of a bigger picture and it fits into the other things that you're doing. So I think that makes it hard to design conferences on technology because you have a lot of interests and then it needs to fit within a context. Agree. I, I think one of the, what, to come back to one of the comments that you made, um, the ABA's Law Practice Division really recognizes that times are changing for legal technology conferences, that there is a lot more out there to think about. And to address that, we're going to be working together. I'm helping to lead a working group to really get to the next level of Tech Show. How does Tech Show need to evolve and change to address the things that you just mentioned? The, the fact that, that the practice of law is changing. And I, I think not just that, but that the notion of a conference is changing, that how people consume information and how people engage with others at conferences um, we're seeing there are many other different ways to do it. And uh, I, I think that part of what we're going to be looking at is figuring out how to design a conference that addresses the needs of legal professionals, stay relevant, get people excited to learn about legal technology, but stay stay hip, stay current with all of this. I, I mean, I think that that I agree that there needs to be, when I say that there's a lot of noise about innovation, I think what we're finding is, is that there are different kinds of conferences that serve different audiences and different 
different needs of lawyers, I think is, is the best way to put it. And so I think I want to kind of get into what those are a little bit, but I, I don't know if, you know, does it, does it really matter what we personally like in a conference? Well, I think that's been an eye-opener for me, and, and I've probably always known it, but as I talk to more people about what they want or expect from a conference, uh, people expect something really personal, and they tend to universalize that. So they say, here's what should happen at this conference. And you go, that makes sense for you, but that doesn't appeal to me at all. So I guess, Tom, we probably, between us, been to like every type of conference you can possibly have. A lot. Um, so do you have some formats that you really like? So I, I tend to simplify this, and I break it down really into two or three different kinds of conferences that I think are important. And skipping ahead to maybe part of our outline later, uh, I, I, I sort of view this as really breaking down between the education conference and the future of the practice of law conference, that sort of thing. Because I think that where we're headed with, uh, you know, a, a lot of these conferences lately that fall into that innovation, talking about artificial intelligence, talking about blockchain, access to justice, hackathons, those types of things, there are very cutting edge topics and they are, you know, with the whole legal competence thing, they're definitely something that needs to be uh, addressed and we think that there is a value to have conferences in those uh, in on those topics but what I think is getting lost in that noise of innovation is and we talk about this a lot on the podcast is the conferences that still train lawyers on the basics of technology are still incredibly important yes blockchain is important yes artificial intelligence is going to change the way that lawyers practice law but if they still can't I Sorry to harp on this. If they still can't format a Word document, then what does it matter? I mean, is it where, where does it get them? And so, um, you know, I, I think that the average lawyer still needs help, and that's why I think that shows like Tech Show are still relevant. They're still necessary to the practicing lawyer. You know, there's other conferences. I think that that shows like Legal Tech fall a little bit in between. They kind of they tended to be heavy towards electronic discovery uh, than any, anybody else did. Um, you know, they're kind of moving on to other things, but they they kind of are not really educational. They're a little more future forward, but they're more towards talking about technologies that firms need to utilize and purchase uh, to be successful. To me, it's those are the types of conferences, and then where you get at that point is whether a small conference versus a large conference, because I think those are the, the differences. How do you come down on that? I think mean, maybe do you have any comment about what I said, or, or do you want to talk about size of conference? Yeah, I mean, I think that for me, I, I sort of see two purposes for me attending conferences these days. And so the big one is networking. And so not to go back to our typical jobs to be done, what are you hiring the conference experience to do? But it does come down to that. And I go, I like conferences where I'm going to meet a lot of people and interact with them. And if I'm going to sit and listen to panels, why don't I do that as a podcast or watch a video? Uh, then there's an education piece and you go, sometimes I just need survey education. And that's good where I want to educate, get up to speed on a certain topic. But uh, especially at the big conferences, I'm typically not going to find a session that I go, oh, this is something I'm going to learn. And then, it is, and then if I want to dig deeper into a topic, I'm probably not going to be able to do that at a conference. And so the online conferences, you know, digging into videos, going in depth. You know, so the idea to say you can go to a conference and have a one-hour session on blockchain that gets you up to, like, really being a blockchain expert is 
one of the traps that lawyers fall into that we can learn anything and can, we can learn it really fast because it does take time to learn all this. So for me, that translates into what I'll talk about a little bit more is I like the unconference format. So I like going to a conference where I get to work with people on something. So I get networking and education and different perspectives at the same time. So that's the design thinking, really open meetings, uh, free flowing topics, conversation, structured networking. I like that. Or I want highly specialized education if I'm going to be an attendee. On the other hand, if I get a chance to speak, it's like, you know, give me a microphone and two people sitting in the room. I'm, I'm fine to, to be at that conference. But, but I, th I think there's that. And, and I think that's where you get into the thing where you say, when people are describing conferences to me that don't make sense to me. And, and that's, that's been my struggle when I hear people talking about what they want to see about legal tech conferences. Well, I, I'm, so I'm going to come back to what I think you said a few minutes ago, which is when people say what they want in a conference, it's so hard to pay attention to just what one individual wants. And then you just like spent five minutes telling about what you wanted in a conference and what was useful to you. I think that it's absolutely true that we will never satisfy 100% of the people who attend a conference with what they want or need ever. There's no conference that can do that. It doesn't, it's going to, no way to actually please everybody to do it. And so I think that the real answer is to maybe help educate people on the types of conferences, say, what are you looking for in a conference? If so, this is the conference you need to go to, and this will best meet your expectations. And I think that that's kind of where we should be headed is to say, here are the features that we think are important in your sitting with small intimate groups and learning about things and working on a problem and solving something versus sitting in a classroom and listening to someone teach something and it's more, it's more specialized training that's less interactive. You know, figuring out what works for most people most of the time. I, you know, I think that it sounds to me like what you're looking at is with the more intimate ones where you're actually interacting more with the people around you and are networking more, that that tends to look at smaller conferences and that, that the more educational ones are the larger conferences. Is that kind of how you're thinking yeah, about it? Yeah, so I, I really do lean toward the small, uh, small conference, motivated people interested in the same topic. That gives me the most value. And I hear good feedback on those things, but it's hit or miss, right? Because you can, a lot of times those cost more because the economics of a small conference are a lot different than a, a big conference. And then the big conference, you, you have to be at, stay, typically stay at a fairly high level, which is a really good thing when you want to get up to speed on a number of things or sort of see where trends are, or what's, what's going on. So it's kind of like, as I say, what, what are you hiring? the conference to do. So, so yeah, I tend to, to lean small and sort of a selective audience, but I don't know how that translates. And then I look at the bigger audience or the bigger shows. So you look at a tech show and I say, well, how does that work going forward? Because, you know, how can you do small here? And it's like, well, you experiment and you try things. And I sort of have this notion that maybe there's a, uh, I realize more as times change that you're you know, the analogies where you used to make like to phone books and stuff don't have meaning to like a new generation of people. So I, I have this idea that if you had the, if the conference was like a three ring circus or a seven ring circus where you say, 
it attracts all these different small things. And then I can go and I can taste different things or I can focus, but there's a lot of different options. And I kind of personalize the conference, but it is like this hub that has these spokes coming out of it. And, you know, if there are people who want to do certain things or you can experiment or that sort of thing. So you use the large conference as an umbrella to really cater to what the current needs of the attendees are. Well, and I think that's really what you have to do if you really want to cover and provide education to the largest number of people possible. Because the, the major downside with the small conferences is to be able to catch all lawyers, to be able to bring them all in on what people are talking about, you're going to need to have hundreds of those small conferences to get everyone in. And you have, there's a lot of, you know, economic problems with that. You won't get budget for it. Um, the number of people who would be required to put it on in different parts, there just aren't those people with that level of expertise. It may be doing it as a regular basis. And so from a practical sense, it is hard to do that. And so I think that that that's why a large conference still makes sense and that it, it and that it needs to kind of have that level of the ability to drill down and be more intimate and and have have more of the discussions like that because otherwise you're just not going to be able to capture you're not going to be able to get as many people taking that and then and I, I I sort of see the small conferences as being the offshoot from the big conference you go to a big conference you have some you have some meetings and then you know what this meeting that I'm having here at this big conference is now leading me to go and attend a small conference where we continue talking about it or we do more about that. And I think that may be the way to, to get people into the smaller, more productive, intimate venues. Right. And I think that's something we talked about with conferences for a long time is like, how do you, you have this community that you pulled together momentarily? How do you keep it going? And there are definitely tools out there to do that, but it's, it's pretty rare that somebody's been successful with that. So yesterday we did the uh, Women in Legal Tech Summit, and there was a design thinking session in the afternoon that Cat uh, Moon at Vanderbilt led. And the topic my team looked at of five or six people was how do we continue a networking community out of this conference. So we had a lot of ideas, and it's interesting because it goes in different ways. And then in the whole room of people uh, looking at things, so it was a conference about women of legal tech, there was a consistent theme that developed of mentoring, and then the tech, in terms of apps, platforms, online things, kind of grew organically out of that. So where we got to at the end, was actually quite interesting and gave you opportunity to follow up potentially. But if you said, we're doing this thing and it's going to be on mentoring and we'll throw in a little bit about apps and stuff like that, I don't know how many attendees you would get. So to promote this sort of unconferencing is, is really difficult, especially when somebody needs to write a check to come to it. Well, but I think that leads kind of into our next, that kind of segues nicely into the next subject, which is the notion of, and I think you mentioned this at the beginning, the notion of the more low-cost shows, whether they're online or virtual, and whether what you just described makes better sense to have in an online or virtual environment. Maybe not as part of a, a single event, but as a as, as, as a series of events or things like that. And it's, I sort of think that it's hard to do. You know, there's been a call lately, and I've seen it, just like you have, a call for low-cost shows. I think those are hard to do in person. 
I think unless it's a small group and you get a lot of stuff donated from a budget standpoint, it's hard to do a low-cost show. You're going to have to pay for venue. You're going to have to pay for food and drinks. AV is always outrageously expensive. I think that online virtual conferences are clearly the way to go when you want to do that. I think the real challenge there is that when you do something online, you're allowing the attendee to multitask. You have the potential to lose their attention and you can't guarantee it. People can come and go as they please. I remember a while back, I used to attend, I think, I think Legal Tech had an online, a virtual thing where you could dial in and people would come and go and there was no way to guarantee who would show up and you could sit at your desk and do stuff. And it's nice, you get that, that benefit, but for interaction, for working on something like you're talking about, that would be much harder to do. And, and I think it's also, unless it's gonna be a video component to that meeting, it's harder to interact with people. If you're all talking on the phone together, that's not productive. We all know how bad conference calls are when you're talking on the phone, but I, I still think that there's a place there for the online and virtual conference. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I really like the online and uh, virtual conference notion. And I think if we looked in other fields, we'd find that some of those are very successful and they have thousands and thousands of attendees. It also gives you more control over your conference experience. So you could, you can go back and look at something later. Usually if you're paying a registration, you can look at things in real time or afterwards. So for a panel event, it makes sense. So one of my, I was talking to one of my students from uh, Michigan State who's here for Tech Show, and he was saying like, oh, first thing tomorrow morning, there's three sessions I would like to go to, and I have to choose one of them, I don't know which one to choose. And if you're in a virtual conference, you can watch them all when you want. And if it's not what you wanted, you just turn it off. If you're in a session live, we still have this feeling like it's not a good thing to just get up and walk out and say I'm not interested in it. And if I go to another session, I'm in the middle of it and I might have missed something. So the virtual thing is really interesting and I think it makes sense to look at models in other industries and also to look at our experience. And, it, and the virtual thing does allow you to go to dive deeper into topics and, and, and maybe get better or you know, more well-known speakers, that sort of thing, because you eliminate the travel thing. You still haven't told me how we solve the interactivity, because you're right, I can join a class or I can take it later offline, but when I take it later offline, I'm not interacting with anybody. I mean, that's, it's done and gone and there's no one to talk about, not to talk with about this. Well, I would say two things. So one is, uh, it's the old compared to what, question. So you say, if I'm at a conference and I spend a whole day, the typical CLD thing, I spend a whole day listening to speakers or panels, I'm not really, there's no real interaction going on there unless I run into somebody I know. That when I do webcasts and things, there's usually a chat box and a lot of times there is interaction going on there. Um, and you can ask questions that this speaker can respond to and maybe even uh, kind of shape what the, the conversation or the presentation is. So I think it's one of those things where we sometimes say, I see some potential problems with the virtual conference, but I'm imagining the in-person conference as being perfect, not as what the in-person conference really is a lot of times. Uh, so I, th I think there's some benefits. So I, th I think you're looking at this sort of mix Maybe you're looking at hybrid conferences. Maybe you're saying that there's so, one. So let, me, so let me interrupt when you say that because we're, we're getting ready to run out of time for this segment. And I want to wrap it up. And, and, and before I want to say, is this kind of where you're leaning these days as to what you think is the right 
balance or the right way that lawyers should consume conferences and that conferences need to be given. So I don't know if that's where you were headed, but let's let's make it where, where okay, we're so, headed at this so point. Where I'm headed is I think we have to do more experiments. And I think the virtual has to be part of it. I think when you talk about low-cost conferences, you need to step back and say, okay, who's putting it on and how is it going to be profitable for them? Because that's an important thing. Or can it be done by an institution, say a university, that doesn't care that it's making a profit of it? Because that is a factor. You know, I think you want to look at other industries, other successful conferences. I think there's a virtual component. And I think this sort of hybrid approach is really interesting. So to me, if I paid a registration fee, but for... Uh, you know, the I could also pay a registration fee and get the recorded content or the live content. I would probably go for the hybrid thing, even if it costs more, because I would be saving on travel and and, and things like that. Uh, so I think it's this mix. Like I said, the you know the three ring circus, the hub and spoke, uh, and personalization is it something I think we're we're all really used to. So. That's that's where I end up right now. I think I, I agree with all of that, but I think that what, it, not necessarily it's missing, I think that our challenge and the challenge of the legal industry is how to get lawyers to know that that's the approach they should be taking towards conferences. It's the, they don't know what they don't know about it. They just see, here's a conference I go here, here's a conference I go there. You know, I think that I think that being able to provide them with Here's how to be strategic about how to learn things, about how to learn about technology. Maybe a guide. Maybe we can put, do a guide or something like that and put it together. I don't know. But right. um, and I, I, one last thing, I would say that the the CLE hour thing is a barrier to innovation because to do something different, you a lot of times can't get CLE credit, and then people and a lawyer won't take a class without CLE. Credit. Well, and and that's the, the that's the assumption that I think it's worth challenging because with this Women of Legal Tech Summit, there was a lot of presentations. There was no CLE credit, and there was really good attendance, right. and people were happy. It just depends on the yeah. topic. So it's value for what you get. All right, before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsors. Text Expander is a productivity multiplier. Lawyers love Text Expander because with a short abbreviation or search while typing, Text Expander can produce cover emails for invoices or signing instructions, insert templates for consistent meeting notes, perform accurate date math on the fly, and instantly present things you retype all the time. Text Expander runs on Macs, iPhones, iPads, and Windows and works in any application. Visit textexpander.com slash podcast for 20% off your first year. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. In an exclusive story we broke earlier on the show, ABA Tech Show 2019 started today. 
In this segment, we wanted to predict what each of us will be doing over the next few days at Tech Show, and in the process, giving you some of our best tips for actually attending a conference. Tom, if you look into your Tech Show crystal ball, what do you see? Well, as I mentioned before, as part of the task force that I'm part of, I'm going to be wandering all over Tech Show this time. I, I'm going to step into the sessions. I'm going to talk to vendors. I'm going to attend the events. I kind of want to understand what's working well this year, what needs tweaking, how the attendees feel about it to kind of get a general overall view and, and towards part of what we talked about in the first segment. I mean, what about how do we make Tech Show a show that people want to come to and, and, and want to keep coming to? Um, but if I were attending this as a repeat or even a first time or, a first -time or even repeat attendee, um, there are some things that I would absolutely do to be part of this. I would sign up for a community group. There are 12 communities this year from estate lawyers to Mac lawyers to litigators and solo and small firms. You can make friends. You can find people who have similar interests and similar problems and challenges that they're going to right now. I think that's important. I would, of course, attend as many sessions as I can. I think that Tech Show's benefit is the educational content. Go to as much as you can. I would attend the social events to meet more people, to unwind, to relax, get some free food, get some alcohol. I would attend a Taste of Tech Show dinner, again, for the networking, the camaraderie. The networking, again, like you say, is so important. Um, I'd go through the list of vendors. I would find the ones that either I wanted to check out for my off to my possible purchase, or really that I wanted to learn about because it's the new stuff. If you go to Startup Alley and see all the different new companies and the new technologies they have, really important to look at. Um, I would also take advantage of the great law practice management publications that they have here. Go take a look at the bookstore. You will always be sure to find something that can help you in your practice, even if it's not technology related. So that's in a two minutes. That's how I would. That's how I would navigate Tech Show. Dennis? I have a follow-up point. I would also. If I'm at the bookstore, I would try to figure out a way to get a signed copy of our book, which we're totally willing to do. I, although we will not be spending <laughs> our entire conference at the booth, we would sign a copy if necessary. So I've actually had this conversation with a number of my uh, Michigan State students who are coming to Tech Show, and I think there, Tom has a lot of good points. I think there's uh, some really cool overview things you can do. So I would probably take the time to walk the whole exhibit floor from end to end and just get an appreciation of everything that's out there. I think one of the things that people are blown away by when you come to a legal tech conferences is how many technology tools are already out there that you, you had this idea, wouldn't it be cool if there were something? And you would find out that they actually exist. And then after getting that big overview, then... Uh, follow in on something. The other thing I say is Tech Show is unique for the social opportunities, so I advised all my students to take advantage of that, the communities, the dinners, that sort of thing. And then I think that Tech Show has always been the most open and inviting group of speakers that I've ever run across. And so I told my students, if you go to a session and you like what you hear, or you're interested in the speakers, go up thank them for the presentation, and have a conversation with them. They're likely to help you. They're interested in what you're doing. We all understand in this industry how difficult the job market is for law students, that there are new opportunities coming up, and we like to help people. Uh, so that's a fantastic opportunity. And then, as always, on in any conference, I think you want to write down on a piece of paper, you know, what are the three action steps that you're going to take? And I think there's a session 
on Saturday morning, right? Time where they're going to try to do this thing and say, here's what you should have learned from uh, Tech Show. And here's what you and, can start and, to do and, now. And here's what you can start to do now. And, and that, is, that is a great thing. So, Tom, it's time for our first live parting shots ever. That one tip website or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. All right, so I'm going to give a blatant shout-out here to the Legal Talk Network because even though in our second segment we talked about what we thought people should do at Tech Show, by the time they listen to this, they'll only be able to do it at next year's Tech Show. So um, instead, uh, one of the things that will be happening is is that Legal Talk Network reporting, after all these sessions, they're going to be talking to lots of speakers, going to be talking to lots of people who are part of the show, and they're going to make this available within the next couple of days afterwards. See what you missed. This may help you decide whether you want to come to Tech Show. It might fit into your strategy about how to do conferences, is to catch up with stuff that happened after the fact. There'll be tons and tons of on-the-road reporting from ABA Tech Show. Don't miss it. And I want to mention that I refer to the Women of Legal Tech Summit. So ABA's uh, Legal Technology Resource Center for the last few years has uh, recognized sort of key women working in, in legal tech. And there's a new class for 2019. It was announced on the Law Technology Today blog. You can find it in other places. It's a great list. And I really recommend it for people who are putting together conferences who uh, say, I can't find women to speak at conferences, be on panels, or to do keynotes. Uh, there's a great list there. Uh, people really deserving recognition. And I also want to, this is sort of a party chat, it's kind of a tip, but it's also a question. So NordVPN is a virtual private network service that I use, and Tom and I have recommended the VPN services in the past. But they said that Firefox is a clear winner in terms of what they recommend as a browser, especially with security and privacy add-ons. I've been in Chrome for a long time, but this has made me say I want to experiment with Firefox. So that's a tip is that maybe it's time to go back to Firefox, which was in disfavor for a long time, and say maybe the security and privacy side makes it worth taking another look. And so that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. You can find show notes for this episode at tkmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site, where you can find archives of all of our previous podcasts. If you'd like to suggest a topic, we've set up a document for you. Go to bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y slash two, capital Q, capital N, W-H, capital Z, U. If you'd like to get in touch with us, please reach out to us. We're at LinkedIn, or remember, we always like to get questions for our B segment. Leave us a voicemail at 720-441-6820. So we're off to enjoy the rest of ABA Tech Show, but until the next podcast, I am Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. If you like what you heard today, please rate us in Apple Podcasts. And we'll see you next time for another episode of the Kennedy Mile Report on the Legal Talk Network. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.